Well, it's always one of the best games in the Big 12 every single year. Unfortunately, it's not going to be part of the annual matchups in the Big 12 when they move the 16 team next 16 teams next year, and that is Farmageddon. Kansas State and Iowa State taking place on Saturday. I'm Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports. Our guest is Tim Fitzgerald doing great work at Go Power Cat. We always appreciate his time. And, uh, Tim, let's just start off with the fact that this game is not going to be an annual game um, anymore in the Big 12. How did the conference miss this? Well, the conference missed a lot in the scheduling model they released what, a few weeks ago, last week? I can't keep track. They've been so busy blundering over there with their decisions. That Look, there, there's just not enough protected games. KUK State is one of only a handful, and they stuck with in-state games. Utah schools, Arizona schools, I'm, I'm forgetting someone else. Um, and it's a shame. There are other important games uh, for regional rivalries, historic rivalries, or just rivalries that, you know, have kind of butted up the last few years. Some of these Texas schools should be playing more often. The the one that is even more egregious than Farmageddon is the fact that the Big 12 finally and added a regional geographical neighbor to West Virginia in Cincinnati and then decided, but you don't get to play every year. Uh, that is one of the most asinine things about all of this. Uh, every school should have three rivals. Whether you get to that with pods or not, having three annual rivals, three games the fans know are coming each season, I think it's important for the integrity uh, of the conference and to keep it kind of you know, rooted in some regional feel to it, even if some schools like UCF can't have that. But leaving out Farmageddon in 2027, uh, the longest standing ongoing series in college football, and you're voting, deciding on your own to end it, not ending it because of realignment, ending it despite realignment and keeping these schools together. It, it's not. It doesn't make any sense to me, Pete. No, I'm with you there. It's been tough, uh, Tim Fitzgerald, go power cat. But, you know, this is really the first challenge, I guess I would call it, during Brett Yormark's 16-month tenure as Big 12 commissioner. It's been nothing but roses and rainbows, and it's been great. And most of us think he's done a very good job overall. At least I would say that on my behalf. I think he's been welcomed for the Big 12. But this is the first challenging patch that Brett Yormark has faced during his time as commissioner, is it not? Yeah, it is. Um, because he's making uh, – his, his team is making some really strange decisions that shows they don't have a good enough connection to the schools in this conference nor the entire realm of college athletics. We know he came from a professional sports background. Um, and I, I get that uh, it's been actually helpful in many ways because he brings new ideas to the table that, uh, frankly, we don't see because we're too close to the forest. But he also missed some basic things of understanding what college sports fan bases are about. Uh, and being able to travel to a nearby opponent on an annual basis and learn to hate that opponent uh, as a rival uh, is a, just a core value of this. It's essentially deciding that Kansas City and Denver shouldn't play every year because they're not in the same state. It's kind of the same thing. While Farmageddon hasn't risen to the annual rivalry of KUK State or, say, KU Missouri, which was also ended by realignment, uh, it's still really important to fans, and it's growing in importance in exactly the kind of game 
you want on your schedule every year as a conference because you can really play up the fact that it's the longest ongoing series. But no, they passed on that. Well, you know, that's such a good point, too. I mean, you look at it and you say to yourself, heck, this game was so appealing. It's on Big Fox prime time on Saturday night. Yep. So, I mean, it's going to get top billing for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. And there's no reason to believe that these teams are not going to continue to be highly competitive in this conference for the foreseeable future, assuming they both keep their coaches. So I I hate to beat a dead horse on this thing, but I don't know. I mean, I see Ormark going to a lot of the schools. He seems like he's worked hard to engage at the grassroots level. And that's why I'm just surprised as much as anything by the miss. Well, I think this week we've learned something very important, that the presidents and athletic directors need to understand. There are moments to put your faith in Brett Yormark, uh, and they've done that and been rewarded for that. Uh, but sometimes you do know better than, than the commissioner, and you need to speak up. And I'm told not enough speaking up, not enough pushing back is happening at the school leadership level. And that's, that's a shame. Here, here's my, I'm, I'm into history, Pete, so here is my historical comparison. Brett Yormark is the Big 12's Winston Churchill. People don't like him uh, that much outside of this conference, or, you know, in that case, England. Um, but he was needed in wartime. He was a, the essential ingredient to survival of the entity this time, a conference, in wartime. And that war is not played out, so he still serves a great purpose on down the road with future possible realignment raids and, and making the Big 12 the strongest overall product as possible. But Churchill couldn't really lead during peacetime. He wasn't into the weeds of, you know, the day-to-day process. And that's what we're seeing from Brett Yormark. He doesn't get kind of the day-to-day management of a conference and what's important to these schools at that grassroots level. Uh, and it's something that the leadership of the schools needs to step in and say, okay, look, you're doing a great job with realignment, expanding the brand, adding these cool things like Mexico and the WWE at the cost now of forgetting the things that made this conference great and will make this conference great into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes all the sense in the world to have that kind of yin and yang going on. Um, yep. Tim, when when you look at the last week, the tiebreaker scenarios that have come out here, in the last couple of days. Uh, There was clearly confusion on this last week. That being said, I don't think anybody can deny the fact that if OU, Oklahoma State, and K-State are all tied uh, for that second spot in the Big 12 title game, it should be Oklahoma State because they beat the other two teams head-to-head, right? But I know that hasn't sit well with K-State fans. Right. And the question here isn't, and this wraps back into what what this topic was about, it wraps back into you don't change things midstream. Uh, you don't change rules in the middle of the game, uh, and and they did. And while well, I admit this is the outcome that it should come to, I mean that's the way it should be. It wasn't written that way as voted upon by the the leadership of this conference. And now, I did they though, or was there was there a misplaced comma, or did they really change the rules? Uh, well, either way, they change the rules. I mean, they can call it um, a, a clarification all they want, but this changed the outcome of of, of the rules, so it had to be a change. Um, and, yeah, they, this is the way it should be. Um, but, again, 
I'm just looking for uh, the Big 12 to clarify its future scheduling. I'm not asking for a change, Pete. I just wanted some clarification on the scheduling uh, so that Iowa State and K-State can play each other. But we're not going to call it a change. Um, you know, that's kind of the absurdity that's been going on with this. And, uh, look, we're going to run into this. If somehow on Saturday, or excuse me, Friday and Saturday, the top four teams, including Texas and the three tied schools for second, um, end up in a four-way tie by Texas losing, which I don't think will happen, so we're not going to face this. They're going to run headlong into that same clause of the tiebreaker rules that I don't believe they fully understand. And I also have heard people misapplying how this breaks a tie um, because it's such a muddled mess. If we end up in a four-way tie um, and you go to the uh, highest-seeded teams head-to-head, would that play to all four opponents so they have common opponents? The top two are K-State and Texas. They both went 2-0 against what we assume will be um, Oklahoma, excuse me, Iowa State and Kansas. And yet I've heard some people saying, no, 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 Texas wins that tiebreaker because they won head-to-head. So now you take the other three teams and, and tiebreak them. Like, that's not how you do a tiebreaker. You break the group of four with a tiebreaker, you end up with K-State and Texas, and then you use head-to-head to apply the seeding one and two. And if you needed to, you could then have a tiebreaker for the other two schools. I don't think they understand tiebreakers. I don't think they have enough sports people in the office, and I think it's a giant mess. Not enough sports people in the office, implying there's too many what? College sports. Okay. So saying there's what? College sports people. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, I mean, tiebreakers are used at, at the professional level, right? So how is this different? Well, you know what? If If you're getting into a tiebreaker. I mean, tiebreakers are used every year in the Big 12 tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to decide those seedings. Um, but it's a tournament. You know, people aren't going to uh, scream up and down about, you know, a seeding weirdness. Uh, they might get upset if it involves a buy and not a buy. Uh, but this is huge implications financially for institutions, and, you know, coaches that have bonus clauses and, and just the, the fan bases that, don't want to feel slighted by their own conference. Um, and what I mean by that is this conference in the offseason better put a damn huge emphasis on clarifying and simplifying their tiebreaker rules, understanding all the scenarios uh, and how their tiebreaker rules involve that. And they clearly didn't do that, and it's essential they do that in the future. Tim Fitzgerald is here. Go Powercat. Uh, joining us on Heartland College Sports, I'm Pete Mundo. Always great to have you on board. So uh, when you look at where this league is right now, the tough couple of weeks it's been, we're going into the games now, the final week of the regular season. How do you view this year for the Big 12? On the field, off the field, you know, going into the weirdness that's going to be 16 teams, losing OU in Texas. Where do you think this this conference stands right now, Tim? Well, I felt really good about this conference. I love the 16-school alignment. Um, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, at least one of those Western teams uh, will learn to love the Big 12. They'll get it once they're in it um, because they're, they're still talking about other things, which is, is awful for the conference. Um, and, and Brett Yormark has punched himself in the face with these missteps. Um, and, it, and it comes because his staff doesn't fully engage with the schools apparently enough to understand. I'm, I'm beyond baffled why during the teleconference of the ADs discussing the tiebreaker rules with the Big 12, Gene Taylor was the only one to speak. 
Don't just go along to get along. Sometimes you need to voice your opinion with this conference. But I think this conference will be really strong, um, and I think it'll be very enjoyable to watch. It'll be some fun trips, but, boy, you, you can't lose some of these historic rivalries. Uh, you just can't gloss over that. That's important to the conference, not just the fan base of those two schools. Well, wouldn't, I don't know, to tie it back to that, wouldn't you think that Fox and ESPN, the TV partners, would say, hey, uh, Farmageddon's, like, good for us? We don't want to lose that? I, I know you don't want the TV networks di- dictating matchups, but, you know, Brett Yormark does have a great relationship with those networks. That's part of how the Big 12 jumped the Pac-12 for a TV deal. So, I don't know, I would think that if I'm ESPN, if I'm Fox, and I'm paying the Big 12 30 mil a school starting in a couple of years, I'm like, hey, get me Farmageddon every year. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? It, um, at the end of the day, I'm not sure the networks uh, care that much because they're so focused apparently on having the Super 2 conferences as some kind of weird semi-pro college sports league because uh, reports of that are showing back up today. One of the most annoying things going on in college sports. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised that the they entities didn't say these games are good for us. They're not just the, the obvious good for you. You know, Utah, BYU, Arizona, Arizona State, K-State, KU, um, a child could tell you that's important. And that is important now for TV ratings. They love the rivalries, and yet they don't love them enough where they're going to observe some really fun rivalries that I think could catch on nationally um, as because the name Farmageddon is kind of a, a self-own. You know, we're just, we're just the ag school. But, boy, we love our football, and this is what the Big 12 is about. Until 2027, and then you get to play Cincinnati a bonus time if you're K State, which mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense because there's a, you know, there's a rich history with Cincinnati and football. They played a game once, I think they did in '05. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I know where you're going there, uh, Tim. All right, so this game itself this weekend, let's touch on uh, Farmageddon and look at you know what we're looking at. K-State's obviously in the mix uh, to repeat as, as Big 12 champs to get back to Arlington. They're going to need a lot of help, as I understand it. So uh, the game, though, I mean, you got two coaches who already, the coaching carousel, these names have popped up. Uh, they're having really good seasons. And why is K-State in a good position to win? What concerns you about this matchup? Well, it's always close. I mean, I think that's something to be concerned about if you're a Kansas State fan. This is always a really competitive game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it will be again on Saturday. Uh, it looks like the conditions are going to be a little dicey. It looks like a, a little snow and, you know, temps in the 20s. It could be it's great football weather, but, uh, you know, I don't know how if it's snowing and particularly a wet snow, how that's going to impact the game. I think it'll be another. The spread's 10 as of, as of right now. And I, I think it's going to probably be a one-score game. But then again, K-State's been so good at home, it's really hard to forecast how this game will turn out. Mm-hmm. What about the coaches? I mean, you know, Kleiman's had his name popped up there. Pete Thamel threw him in the mix for A&M. Is that just national talking head fodder? Yeah. I mean, Kleiman's saying he's good, but I don't know. He keeps popping up. So what do they know that, that apparently you and, and Chris Kleiman doesn't know about himself? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't see him going anywhere but i really don't see him going to texas a&m i I just don't i don't get where that thought even comes from that is not a cultural fit that's not a mess chris Kleiman wants to get into he'll work with the nil 
uh, but he doesn't want to be the driving factor of his entire program. And I think a lot of coaches won't want to inherit the NIL mess they have in that locker room. They don't like talent at A&M. They're loaded with egos and guys getting paid to be there. And I think it, it shows the exact downfall of what the NIL uh, can become because it's been a distraction. I, I don't think Lance Leipold or Chris Kleiman are going anywhere, but if, if there are is interest somewhere, it's going to be those upper Midwest schools, and I'm talking about the Big Ten. I mean, I think that's the only re- real threat to either one of them, uh, and the rest is just, you know, either reporters throwing names in because they're good coaches or because agents have leaked those names to the, uh, the reporter. Last one. I know we got a minute. What about Matt Campbell? How, what do you think his future is at Iowa State? He's been a great coaching job. I've been critical of him for quite a while. Um, but this has been a really good coaching job for him. Coming off the distractions of losing its quarterback and other players with this whole gambling issue that's blown up at the Iowa schools. Um, he's going to have to work his way back up to be on these lists, but then again, he's another coach who's made it clear. He's very happy where he's at. He passed up some great opportunities um, to stay at Iowa State. And I think th- those three coaches saying, you know what, I pick here over that supposedly better job is a really good statement about the conference. Well said. Tim Fitzgerald, go Power Cat. Tim, we love having you on, man. Enjoy the games, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, partner. Much appreciated. He's the man, Tim Fitzgerald. I'm Pete Mundo, and you're the best. You're the man. You're the woman, wherever you're at. Thank you for being a part of the show, and hit the five-star on the podcast on iTunes if you could or Spotify. And if you want the Heartland College Sports Koozie, send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will get you all hooked up with the Heartland College Sports Koozie. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of the show, and enjoy the games this week. Take care.